the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Railways. We use them to commute to work and go on holiday. They sprawl for our countryside and cut for our cities. But what are they, and where did they come from? This is the podcast where we aim to answer all those questions and more. Join us as each episode we delve into a different aspect of trains and the network until we're all fully-fledged railway buffs. Welcome to the In Training Podcast. Hello, welcome to the In Training Podcast. This week we're going to be discussing Nigel Gresley and who he was. So I'm going to be taking the reins this week and yeah, as Ben said, we're going to be looking at Nigel Gresley and who he was, what he did and why he's so important to rail history in general. So if you're not familiar, his full name is Sir Herbert Nigel Gresley, um, for the more posh people among us, but uh, we'll just call him Gresley for most of this. <laughs> uh, and he was one of Britain's most famous steam locomotive engineers and the designer behind some of the world's most well-known locomotives. Most of us probably have heard of the Flying Scotsman, mm. or Flying Scotsman, should I say, not the, uh, <laughs> and Mallard. We'll go into them a little bit later on. Mm. So in his early years, he was born in Edinburgh in 1876, so a long time ago. He lived in Derbyshire for most of his childhood and eventually he went on to do an apprenticeship at Crew, well, the Crew Works uh, of the London and North Western Railway. Uh, and later he went to Lancashire and Yorkshire Railway, where he was quickly moved up to the position of outdoor assistant in the carriage and wagon department in 1901. So, already a good start. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next year he was appointed assistant works manager at Newton Heath is Depot or de- Depot? Depot, de- I think. De- let's go with Depot. <laughs> oh, I'm getting normal words right now, <laughs> no mind real ones. And then um, he moved up to works manager in the following year. So nice. a lot of career progression pretty early on, and that didn't stop there for him. He wanted to move up even further. Mm-hmm. So he became an assistant superintendent for the carriage and wagon department in 1904, and then onto the Great Northern Railway as the superintendent for their own carriage department in Doncaster. So I've said a lot about what the carriage departments. Basically, it just means that he was responsible for anything that moved on the GNR or the Great Northern Railway, mm-hmm. um, apart from the locomotives. So another 11 years on and he was appointed Chief Mechanical Engineer for GNR and then for London North Eastern Railway or LNER as we know it in uh, 1923. Nice. Uh, so, uh, the job titles sound quite good don't they? Yeah they're like, all very fancy and long <laughs> and yeah I know. Superintendent uh, for the carriage department. 
Yeah. Just like, <laughs> the courage good, on like, the end there. Like, like, yeah. Profile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So whilst Gresley was with GNR, he also became um, deputy to locomotive engineer Henry Evat. 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 <laughs> Let's go with that. I'm so sorry if that's wrong. <laughs> he he responded to the need. Well, Henry responded to the need for heavier and faster trains. Uh, because of more passengers and uh, weight on the trains. So he introduced the Atlantic-type locomotives to GNR. And Ben, I think you've got a couple of definitions, a bit of information about what the Atlantic locomotives were. Yeah. So take it away. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that comes up when you're trying to find out how the um, Atlantic-type train differed to previous ones Mm. is uh, something called the White's Notation. For people who don't know what this is, it's a classification system for locomotives that defines what wheel arrangement they have. Yeah. And the Atlantic type locomotive is a four four two locomotive. Right. Yeah. And when you see that written, it's four dash four dash two. Yeah, I always wonder what that means. It doesn't really well make sense to me at all. So. Yeah. Well, that was what was quite interesting for me because like, I've seen a lot of the names of these trains. Yeah. But never really thought too much about where the numbers or you know where yeah. the names coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this is the uh, the white notation. And each of those three separate numbers, so with the Atlantic types four, four, two, mm-hmm. each of those numbers refer to the leading wheels, the driving wheels, and the trailing wheels. Right. Okay. And it's the number of each one of those. Okay. Yeah. So with the Atlantic type, they have four leading wheels, mm-hmm. they have four driving wheels, and yep. they have two trailing wheels. Oh, right. Okay. And... Uh, this, this is something I didn't even know anything about, really. And, and I started looking at pictures of the locomotives and thinking, like, yeah. oh, yeah, you can yeah. see that the two, there's two wheels in the middle that are much bigger and oh, right. there yeah, are differences. Yeah. So those those driving wheels, they're the ones that tend to be the powered ones. Right, So okay. that's where, like, the, the force moving yeah. the locomotive's coming from. Um, the leading wheels tend to not be powered mm-hmm. and the trailing wheels also tend to not be powered. Okay, right. Um, and the leading wheels are... I was almost thinking of them as the steering wheels, but then it sounds <laughs> weird because obviously well, I suppose in a way track. they are. Yeah. Yeah. So they're um, they're on their own separate bogey. It means that they're able to move more, um, yeah. which makes um, going around a corner easier. For yeah, example. of course. Yeah. The trailing wheels, they were added on these Atlantic type. They were kind of like new to this Atlantic. Oh right. Okay. And um, it meant that the. Uh, the weight of the boiler and the firebox could be supported more. Yeah, yeah. Which just kind of improved the stability of the locomotive overall. Yeah, of course, yeah. And yeah, so that is the main um, addition of the Atlantic-type locomotive. So previously mm. they were 440 and then they become 442 because right. they used to have zero trading wheels and now oh, they have two yeah. trading wheels. Well, I'm glad I know what that means now anyway. That's <laughs> always bothered me not knowing what that meant yeah just random numbers but yeah no that's a, a definitely interesting explanation thank you <laughs> so being henry's second hand um at the time gresley wanted to make his own mark um at the plant which was uh the sort of colloquial name for the doncaster works where gnr was at the time mm. so he quickly started creating a new carriage design for the east coast joint stock used on the principal through train to scotland uh, the Flying Scotsman. And he also introduced a range of new designs, uh, including articulated carriages for suburban services that had shared bogies. 
um, a new arrangement which ensured like a much smoother ride. Uh, so on the Scotsman route, the addition of a new corridor, um, sorry, of new corridor carriages, restaurant cars, and more passenger facilities made the trains heavier. So obviously they needed much more powerful engines um, to avoid the use of using two engines at the beginning, which was known as double heading. That's what's um, sorry, just to jump in. No, that's um, fine. That's what's interesting is that there's the Flying Scotsman route. Yeah. And then there's and then the locomotive, the Flying Scotsman train. Yeah. Wait, train or locomotive? I know. I, I literally had to just catch myself. I was like, no. I think it's still lo- I think not. it's locomotive. It is locomotive. Yeah. I think. <laughs> don't, don't confuse me. I'm sure I researched it properly. Oh I'm going to need to go back to episode one <laughs> and, and listen to the entire thing about what's uh, a train and what's a locomotive. Well, at least but it'll still... be a, something for us to learn and like look back on as well. Yeah. But the <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing uh, that people can get confused is there's the the Fly Scotsman route yeah. which goes up to Scotland, and then there's also the actual Fly Scotsman locomotive. Yeah, there's a lot of um, crossover. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, after a few years, Gresley succeeded Eva Henry, uh, should I say, because I'm most likely getting his last name wrong, um, um, as the Great Northern's locomotive engineer. So he began designing a Pacific class of locomotives, you know, because he did, Henry did the Atlantic, Pacific. Oh, you know what? I hadn't actually picked up um, the fact that they're oceans. Yeah. Oh, what? I've never yeah. picked up on that. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that's something new as well. Yeah, and the Pacific class uh, included a much larger boiler. In fact, this was the largest possible on the Great Northern at the time. Hmm. Uh, and the weight distributed was over 12 wheels instead. So by 1922, his Pacific design was finished, and these new A1 class of locomotives could haul 600 tonnes at five. Uh, 550 miles per hour. 12 were authorised for production and the third, number 1472, came from Doncaster Works in February 1922. And the next year this engine gained the LNER reporting number 4472, which gained the now famous Flying Scotsman title as we know it today, which is the locomotive, (laughs) not the (laughs) rumour. Flying Scotsman origins in this uh, episode. So, in 1928, it was given a new type of tender with a corridor, the Flying Scotsman, uh, which meant that a new crew could take over without the train stopping, or without stopping the train, should I say. Mm. And this allowed it to haul the first ever non-stop London to Edinburgh service on the 1st of May, reducing the journey time to about eight hours, which is still a long time <laughs> compared to what we've got today. <laughs> That's uh, the weird thing about how like technology and stuff has progressed since. Like, uh, such I a mean, big yeah. achievement has yeah. now been kind of reduced, but... Obviously, at the time that would have like been I'm like oh crazy, yeah, it's just but... a day trip that, and it's not like today. Oh my god! Yeah, that's uh, also the tender you brought up. Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So if if you don't know too much about trains, like the tender is where the fuel is kept, and it's mm. where um, you know you see that coal piled up, like, yeah, traditionally. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so that's that's where all the fuel can be for the actual locomotive engine. Oh. And uh, the fact that the Flying Scotsman had a corridor tender. Yeah. Uh, is significant because previously they wouldn't be able to get people through the tender. It would sort of almost be like a block. Oh, right, okay. Um, which meant that they couldn't swap over anyone without yeah. the train stopping. Yeah. But adding this corridor, it meant that people would be able to get all the way down the train to yeah. the actual locomotive engine. Without having to stop. Yeah. Oh, so they could, Yeah, they could swap over that crew, which yeah. is why, you know, that would shave off a fair bit of time. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. 
So yeah, as I said, it made the journey to about eight hours. And then in uh, 1934, a Scotsman was clocked at 100 miles per hour on a special test run. So this was officially the first locomotive in the UK to have reached that speed, which is incredibly fast for the time yeah. again. But after its creation of the Flying Scotsman, uh, sorry, Flying Scotsman, not the, <laughs> Gresley moved on to LNER as uh, chief mechanical engineer there. Uh, so he had a he had a good career, obviously. Mm. Kept going up and up. Yeah. Gresley was a renowned leader within with a practical approach and willingness to sort of experiment with new ideas from both home and abroad. Um, and he would be responsible for the design of 27 different classes of locomotive, which Blimey. is yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so unlike a lot of engineers, Gresley understood business and the power of publicity as well. So his innovations and record breaking grabbed a lot of headlines. Mm. So that gained him a high public profile in the process. Uh, but in 1936, this also got him a knighthood for his work on the LNER. Mm. Fun fact though, during <laughs> well, it's fun to me. I quite like this yeah, fact. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, during the 30s, the 1930s, that is, yep. Sir Nigel Gresley lived at Salisbury Hall near St Albans, Albans in Hertfordshire, uh, and he developed an interest in breeding wild birds and ducks. So, intriguingly, among this species was mollard ducks. Uh, yeah. So, and if you said earlier, he made the mollard locomotives, or locomotive, should mm. I say, which possibly might have been... I don't want to say it's where the name came from, but it's a possibility because <laughs> Mollard came after this right. or during this time. So I'm, I'm hoping it was inspired by that because that's really fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's a fun fact. But sadly, he died on the 5th of April in 1941. But he, And there, after, he was succeeded as the LNER CME, or Chief Mechanical Engineer, by Edward mm-hmm. Top. Thompson. So to this day, people can instantly recognise flying Scotsman and Mallard locos practically practically worldwide, which just shows how much of an important part of rail history Sir Nigel Gresley was and continues to be today, because we're still talking about him right now. <laughs> I think as, in regards to flying Scotsman and Mallard, we might talk probably talk more about them in a future episode, going into yeah. more details about their history specifically and what they've done and why they're so well known. Mm. But yeah, this was just a bit of a profile piece on... Uh, a very important man in real history. Yeah, <laughs> that is. Uh, he is one of those people that you do hear about. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to railways, especially in the UK history, but like yeah, say, definitely. Like, the the advancements that he was making mm. did become known worldwide and oh, were yeah. big achievements. Yeah. So it is interesting to sort of find out a bit more about him. Well, no, it's crazy to think that he just came up with these ideas for trains or well, locomotives as well, and yeah, it's just I don't know. It's too much for me to think about. Yeah. I think it's interesting that there's like little developments he made, like the corridor tender or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't think it'd make a big difference, but, no, but it was huge. all those little things yeah. like that, yeah, added yeah. up. And I know. Think about you... it. We've got like bullet trains that go to London in like two and a half mm. hours from Sheffield nowadays, and yeah, it all adds up, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so just just the Mallard thing. Mm-hmm. I got confused with that. Oh, sorry. are you saying the the name for an, the animal Mallard? comes from the train no the other way around right sorry right i thought that's what you said oh whoa that is that is a fun fact (laughs) no 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 he got he was interested in um like breeding like mollard ducks okay and then he made 
the tra- the locomotives after that. Right. Um, <laughs> got confused. I don't know where my head had gone. But <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Sorry. I must confused. have just explained that badly. But yeah. <laughs> no. Um, it's just no, it's, it's not like confirmed if it was if it was named after Mallard Ducks. But right. Okay. I like to think right. it was because it just it makes sense. It makes sense to me. <laughs> so anyway. He's a, he's a duck fan. And, he's a duck fan, yeah. and he named he named a, a locomotive after it. That's nice. Because why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> See, you laughed. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, fun well then. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess that's um, all we have to say for this episode. Um, <laughs> feel free to tune us the next one. Well, please do. Um, don't just feel free. Do it. <laughs> that was the most awkward outro. <laughs> do it. <laughs> it's the worst one I've done so far. Uh, no, it'll do. It's fine. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>